This is an AMI podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Double Tap. It's Friday, it's the 2nd of February 2024. It's not time for the park park. Sorry, the train is in the station and it's relaxing. But we're going to talk about CES. Trains relax. You're what am I talking about? To Double Tap, your Bye-bye. daily accessible technology show. <laughs> Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Right, listen, you are on a final warning, Priest. What? What's the matter Keep with me you? Laugh. I can't get a sip of coffee without <laughs> laughing. I can't go without my part parp. It's ingrained, I tell you. How are you, Stephen Scott? <sighs> All right. Why is it that we haven't fallen out? Sorry, are you going to work on that? <laughs> wow. Let's put that in the yeah. to do app. I'm, I'm just, I'm so, I don't get it. I, like, how can I enjoy spending so much time with someone and I don't oh. want to fall out with them? You're like my wife. I tell you what, it's because I'm great, Stephen Scott. It's as simple as that. I'm just a great person. No, no applause? Nothing there? Nothing? Uh, okay. Do you know what, actually? Yeah. Thank you. Know you. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Although that's all you're getting. Oh. Cutbacks around here, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. God bless you, Mr. F. It's Friday. It's not the Express. We're chill, kind of chilling out today. It's chill out times. Chill out. Well, I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, we've got Matt Ata joining us. That was what I was trying to say in the beginning there. We've got Matt Ata joining us. He is the vice president over there at Vespero. Ooh. Do you know? Jaws. Sorry, we'll get back to Matt in just a second. Mm-hmm. I watched Jules the other day with audio description for the first time. And. It- Yet again, there was things in there that I had no clue about. Audio description was amazing. I loved it's it. funny when that happens, isn't it? It happens a lot. You watch a film and you go, Did that, what was that? I watched Independence Day for the first time with audio description. And there were things that were going on there that I didn't. I mean, like the alien ship. I mean, who knew? Yeah, there was aliens. I mean, <laughs> I just wonder what that noise was. But yeah, okay. It's, it was a. I thought it was someone was trying to get on the internet. Oh, I so um, good though. in 1983. I think that everyone. <laughs> I think AD should go mainstream. I'm, I'm yeah. sure. Even what you want it. You want it just to be on all the time. Well, how many of us have got partners that say, "Why is that happening? What's going on now? Why has she done that?" And you know what? I think AD would help. I actually think we could go one step further. I think what I what I'd yes. love is opinionated audio description. Oh. You look at the beginning of the movie; it says a very tall woman stands holding a lamp. The word Columbia appears. All this stuff, right? Yes. And um, I think opinionated audio description would be good. Imagine that. Imagine the film starts and it's like, do you know what? I've watched this film. It's not great. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're just trying to start a whole new job for yourself there. Halfway through the movie, it's like, do you know what? I think he does it. I mean, I'm going to guess. We'll see what happens at the end, but I think it's this guy. (laughs) AD with a friend. Yeah, just a conversational (laughs) style AD. That sounds really annoying. Let's not make that happen. Brilliant. Because it would really cheer up some terrible movies. Imagine watching a terrible movie and that's going on. It would cheer you up. Anyway, Mr. Matt Ater, a very important (sighs) man. Yes. Yes, he's going to be joining us today uh, to talk all about CES. He was there at CES uh, at the beginning of January, and we're going to catch up with him to find out about some of the tech he spotted. He was there for you know very uh, professional purposes. Yes, in his uh, role as uh, vice president over there at uh, Josland. Yes, also known as Vespero, and um, Vespero. Yeah, Vis- <laughs> Vespero. Uh, 
we're going to I, I don't see it in a weird way what's wrong with you no 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 it's not about your accent this time I'm just saying it's strange Vespiro it, it sounds like a Harry Potter spell it's just a bit weird oh well let's we'll never get them on again thanks well done I'm so sorry okay. Matt I think you've yeah I think that's it I think we've been disinvited to every future Jaws based party oh well um, shall we uh, shall we get some of this breaking on news. breaking news well, you know, we've got Grace coming up because one of the great things about Friday is even though we don't have the Express, we do have bye bye. Grace. We do have Grace. Grace Scofield is going to be yes. here with the news. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but all right, all right, calm down. Wow. I know, she's great. I get it. Yeah. But here's the thing. Uh, we've got some news. So I got an email in just before we started recording. This is the email we got. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. First off, a massive high five for your January 23 shindig on the importance of backing AT-focused apps. It's a hot topic that deserves some serious airtime. Oh. Now, we were talking about apps and support in the community for AT-based apps, and the app we were talking about was Menus for All. Ah, yes. But now, continues the email, let's talk about this week's drama. Stephanie and I might be ladies, but we're definitely fighters. So we decided to take a risk and pull out two Hail Mary passes. We loaded them up and flipped the app back on sale in the Apple App Store on Monday night. Don't worry if you already have the app on your phone or tablet, nothing changes for you. The only difference is that newbies can start a trial or convert their current one to keep the app. It's like last week's sad news never even happened. This comes from Helen, who's the CEO of Menus for All, it's back! Oh, wow! It's back! Oh, amazing! That is back so cool! Back on sale. Cool! I must uh, admit, I also, just before, just to, not, not to throw any shade on this, but um, it does say at the end of the email, be well and eat well. Oh, yeah, don't Helen worry about that. Us. We've, we've got yeah. that covered. Well, the oh, eat well we? bit... Not the be well. <laughs> Those two don't really go hand in hand in our case, but um, that's amazing news. That's fantastic. I must yeah. admit, I got a little bit lost there when we were fighters and Hail Mary cards, but the end mm-hmm. result was that it's back. That is fantastic. How does that work with subscriptions? So everything's still the same? Well, uh, I guess we'll find out. We're going to get uh, Stephanie uh, Jones back on the show again, who was uh, with us uh, before. Helen Fernity, of course, being the CEO uh, who is uh, who has sent us this email, which is absolutely fantastic. So we'll get Stephanie back on to get all the answers. And I think if we want to kind of figure out what happened over there. I'd like to know a bit more about what actually happened, what caused this decision, and then what caused them to change their mind. Was it was it double tap? I mean, I think I, I just want to ask the question: Was it us? Did we change your yeah. mind on this? I think yes is the answer to I, that. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems obvious, but I don't want to be the one to say no, that. No, 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 let's not. <laughs> no, let's just say it. Yes, well done, us. <laughs> <laughs> we will absolutely take any credit for work we haven't done. I'm all for that. Whatever the reason, it's great to see it back. Well done. It's, it's a fantastic app. I'm so glad to see it back. And you know what? It is important that we do support these apps. And uh, I'm going to go and subscribe. I'm going to go and subscribe because I think it's time to support these apps. If you can, I mean, not everyone can, and I get that. Yep. But I do think it is important if we can. I mean, okay, I'm not suggesting we should all just subscribe to every single app that comes along that's created by a developer for, you know, blind people. I'm not suggesting that because, of course, that would be ridiculous. It would cost an absolute fortune. There are apps out there that are brilliant apps. I don't subscribe to every single one of them. But if we can and we can benefit from it, then we should. Because I think sometimes the problem is the word getting out there that the app is even there. 
you know, if you think about all the apps that are out there, I mean, I don't know how many apps must be in that app store, but it is impossible to get to a point where you can sometimes get above the noise, get, you know, mainstream publications to talk about this. Because look, this could work on, on so many levels. This isn't just about blind people. There are lots of people no, who right. go to a restaurant who may have, not even have low vision, just no. struggle. I mean, how, how many times have you got, I, mean, I remember when my vision was better, I'm sure you do too, going to a restaurant, the lighting was so poor. Yeah. You almost I, had to bring out a torch to read the, the menu, you know? Any problem with print at all? I mean, this is, yeah. not even that, just having it in your pocket, if you, you don't having to, there's not a menu on the table, whatever the reason, it's just uh, it's just a great resource. So Maybe you're vegan. You want to make sure that there are met, there are options. I mean, yeah, okay, most restaurants probably do have vegan options now, but how many options are there? Gluten-free. Yeah. You know, there's lots of things that, you know, lots of reasons people have to want to be slightly cautious about where they go. Yeah. Being able to use an app like this. Prices for me. <laughs> How much does <laughs> <Yes>. this cost? <laughs> I, I remember our trip recently uh, where you just kept asking how much everything was. Well, it's which very was... important. $40 I pay for two cheese sandwches. Have I mentioned that? $40. <sighs> Unbelievable. Uh, shall we get to the news? Because Grace is here standing by. Well, she's sitting actually. Okay. But uh, she's uh, sitting by waiting to tell you the news. So let's get to it then. Uh, Double Tap News this week, of course, with Grace Schofield with all the headlines. Thanks, guys. After all the hype, Apple's newest entry into the computing category has been launched. Apple Vision Pro went on sale this week in the US only for a whopping $3,499. The headset device offers a new way to immerse yourself in the world of video, FaceTime calls, and even using your computer. While there are many questions to be answered about the long-term purpose of a device like this, it certainly has ignited a serious conversation about what Apple calls spatial computing, also known as virtual reality, but you'll never hear those words from Apple. Check out DoubleTap's guide to the accessibility features that we know about on our new YouTube channel. More on that later. There's a new update to iPhones coming soon that is already causing a stir iOS 17.4, which is still in the beta phase and is due out in March, introduces a new feature to Apple's podcast app, Transcripts. Similar to the Lyric feature in Apple Music, the podcast app will now display a full transcript of the podcast episode, which scrolls in sync with the episode. These transcripts are auto-generated, offering a quick and accurate way to skim content before committing to listening. Initially, transcripts are available in English, French, German, and Spanish. This feature will benefit users who are deafblind, deaf, or hard of hearing, and those who prefer reading over listening. Additionally, podcast hosts can upload their own transcripts. Other updates in iOS 17.4 include a major app ecosystem change in the EU and enhancements to the CarPlay experience. Elon Musk has announced that Neuralink's first human brain chip implant has been successfully placed in a patient who is currently recovering well. The procedure follows the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's approval in September of last year for human trials. CEO Elon Musk shared on X that early observations indicate effective neuron spike detection, marking a significant step in the company's neurotechnology advancements. It means that someone with quadriplegia, for example, could navigate a smartphone or a computer just using their thoughts. 
Musk also has plans to bring vision to those who are blind. Speaking in 2023, he explained how brain implant technology could help blind people. I think this is like notable in that even if someone has never had vision ever, like they were born blind, we believe they can, they, they can, we can still restore vision because the, the visual part of the cortex is still, still there. Yeah, even if they've never seen before, uh, we're, we're confident that they, they, could, they could see. A new campaign launched at the World Economic Forum in Davos aims to improve global access to assistive technology. Backed by the First Lady of Pakistan and various organizations, the Unlock the Everyday campaign highlights the significant disparity in assistive technology access between high- and low-income countries. With only 10% of people in low-income countries having access to necessary technologies like wheelchairs and hearing aids. The campaign calls for global action to address this inequity and emphasizes the importance of assistive technology in enabling educational, employment opportunities, and social inclusion, particularly for disabled and aging populations. Filmmaker and disability rights advocate Leopoldine Hui Pont describes why assistive technology is important. So it means inclusion in a society. And what does it mean, inclusion in society? Healthy life. And this is reaching the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And we don't realize how important it is to provide AT in order to to live a dignity, to live with dignity, but to have a healthy life. Researchers at the University of Cambridge have developed a robotic sensor capable of reading Braille at twice the speed of the average human reader. The robot uses machine learning algorithms and can read at a speed of 315 words per minute with about 90% accuracy. This advancement is not primarily aimed at assistive technology, but rather at improving the sensitivity and efficiency of robotic hands or prosthetics, replicating the delicate touch of human fingertips. The technology presents potential applications beyond Braille, such as surface texture detection or manipulation in robotics. Now for some news from the show. Double Tap is now on YouTube. The popular audio show and podcast has expanded to the video platform for the first time in its five-year history. Each week, Stephen and Sean will continue their discussions, sometimes on tech, to a global audience on the platform. New episodes will appear on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from 1 p.m. Eastern, with extra episodes and live streams on occasion. Andy Frank, manager of AMI-audio, also known to you as Mr. F, explains the reason for the expansion. Well, we couldn't ignore the fact that people find new podcasts on YouTube. It is the number one place where people find new podcasts. Other ways are fine. You know, there are other ways of finding podcasts through word of mouth, through social media, through the algorithms at Spotify or Apple or whatever. But they're not as powerful or as intuitive as YouTube and the Google search engine that's associated with it. So it was important for us to put Double Tap on YouTube and to have Stephen and Sean there is fantastic. We can't wait for more. And don't worry if you aren't able to access the YouTube channel. There will be a chance to listen to episodes of our Best of YouTube podcast every Sunday on the Double Tap podcast feed as well as on AMI-audio.
And finally, it may come as a surprise to us, but businesses in Japan are still required to use floppy disk drives for one more year. This decision comes as the Japanese government prepares to shift from floppy disks to cloud-based solutions for submitting official documents. The Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry in Japan announced the end of physical media requirements, which have been in place for decades. The change, part of Japan's Digital Transformation Initiative, will be effective next year, moving away from floppy disks for over 1,900 official document types. That's our Double Tap News for this week. I'm Grace Garfield. Ah, uh, thank you, Grace. Floppy disks. Ah, uh, <laughs> takes me back. Amazing. I I even go back further than that. I go back to the real floppy disks, the five and a quarter. Yes. Hey, you don't know that. You're just I a do. wee a wee babby, sir. You a don't wee remember. Babby. I was, thinking, I was yes. a grown man by the age of three, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember those. I mean, I must admit, I don't really know what I did with them. I remember having them on the computer. I, I think um, I used to use them to carry my sandwiches around because they were big enough. But um, yeah, I do remember them. Yeah, but it was you're right. It was floppy disks for me. I mean, later, I mean, it's funny because this is old tech as well, but it was new at the time. I mean, it was like made floppy disks seem really old and, and kind of like out of it was zip disks. Remember those? Yes, I, I never had one. I was out of my league, but yes, I do remember those. It was the, because um, what was a floppy disk? Was it 1.3 1. 1. megabytes? 1.4 megabits. Something like, yes, that's right. And zip drives 1. were 1.4. Yeah, you could get by the ones. It was amazing. It was like um, cassette tapes. Remember the cassette tapes? It was like a C90 and you could you would have... You could turn it right over the other side and you would get the extra or That's low right. speed and all this stuff. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember actually, the funny, the zip drive, I, I had the zip drive, I had an actual zip drive drive, which was an external drive. But in my Mac, I had a zip drive. My very first Mac, it was the, let me get this right, Power Mac 8800 slash 225. Nerd. Yes. 225 was the processor speed, 225 megahertz. That was mm-hmm. the clock speed of the processor. Very laddie da. I had a DX266. You, you got some nerd on you, sorry. Um, but yeah, it was uh, honestly so, so uh, cool. But yeah, thank you for that, Grace. And Mr. F, that's the most coherent <laughs> I've heard him Mr. in a long time. Well done. Well done, Mr. F. He's got a, he's got a deep, rumbly voice, hasn't he? Mr. F. Let's, he does. Let's, let's uh, be yeah. honest. He's well, he's a mountain of a just man. Just up, that's why. He's very, very scary, I must say, but lovely with it. He is scary, he is. But the good thing is he's never up to listen to us. So no, that's, that's right. Fine. That's right. Yeah, it's fine. Thank you, Mr. F. No, the big story from that, for me, was transcripts in Apple Podcasts. Huge news. I, I mean, that's I, a that's massive amazing. story. And yeah. more interesting, I mean, that's great on its own. What's powering that? What's the tech behind that? Mr. Apple. Yeah, well, so it's funny, right? I read a couple of articles through the week, and there's a lot of talk about hints of what Apple's AI offering will look like, Apple GPT or whatever. They, they're not going to call it that, but, you know, that kind of idea, right? <laughs> they definitely So won't. whatever Apple GPT, no, I'm definitely not going to call it that. In fact, they'll probably avoid the letters G, P, and T as much as humanly possible. It's like, it's not VR, it's spatial computing, Correct. right? It's, it's that, right? Um but no, I was reading an article and they were saying, you know, there's hints of it. And this is one of them. This is definitely one of them. Because you're right. How is this being powered? I mean, they may, I mean they've mean, they not just plugged everything into OpenAI, have they? Well, no. I'd be very surprised. And is it their own dictation engine? I, I would think not because I would, 
the the trouble and risk with transcription because they did say there it's going to be real time right it's going to be generated mm-hmm. as it goes now if there's any possibility of getting a word wrong and saying something insulting or a swear word or something apple's yep. not going to have that at all uh so they're going to be pretty confident in the accuracy of this so yeah i'm intrigued by this it's really cool not just from an accessibility point of view but the the tech side as well is this a glimpse of what's to come don't know well you know a lot of people go on about show notes or or was it um chapter marking and all that stuff on podcasts this kind of takes the need for all that away you just type in what it is you want to hear it will find it and you can just hit play from there now i'll be interested to see how accessible that is because i've never tried it with music lyrics never tried it um, but because no. that's the same, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's saying it's the same thing. Now, of course, it's, it, this is the question. It's obviously not the same thing because the engine that's powering music lyrics, I mean, it's really someone is putting that information in for that particular song. Whereas this is having to generate the, the text, but the mechanism's the same. So the idea is that you can scroll through a song, a lyric, and then you could say you, you know where the chorus is and you want to hear that particular bit. You can just tap on the words and it'll start playing from that point. The same applies here. Uh, so, you know, you can find what you're looking for and just play from there. Could That'd you search for a keyword in there? So yeah, you could yeah. search for something like, um, I don't know, Mr. F, and then it would jump to the first mention of Mr. F in the in the show. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Wow. Okay, that's exciting. And, and or or say, for example, so our interview, right? So doing the interview today about CES, if someone just wanted to hear about that, they could just type in CES and there you go. It'll take it straight to that point. So again, this could be really interesting. This could be really, really interesting. Well, and that is the main reason why we decided not to go with uh, podcast chapter markers, because obviously being in in the know as we Mm -hmm. are, we knew this was coming and we thought we don't need to put the work in to do that. So that's, that's kind of exactly what we were thinking. I mean, yeah. you know, we didn't we didn't want to say anything at the time. No, we couldn't. Obviously, no. we didn't no. want to look like we knew everything. I mean, no. yeah. So exactly. No, you're absolutely right, Sean. And it's important that people know that. So spread the word. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> let's get a couple of emails before we move on. Uh, Matt Ader is joining us shortly, but uh, let's get a couple of emails in. This is from Gordon in Livingston, regular listener to our show. Good to hear from you, Gordon. He's emailed in. Um, with some concerns around uh, lack of privacy using voice commands. Here's his email, as always, read by Laura. Hello, Double Tappers. Wishing you and all your listeners all the best for 2024. Let's hope it's a bit better than the past few years have been. I was interested to listen to your comments on the PC AI, or is it AI PC? As always, there is no single solution that will work for everyone, and I can see that having the ability to use an AI-powered smart speaker as a computer might very well work for some people. Personally, I like the ability to use a keyboard to check what I have drafted and make edits. I find that dictating anything longer than a very short sentence of a few words often results in muddled output. But while that is a personal choice for me, there is another thing which I think is very important in this discussion. It is the question of privacy. If you have a smart speaker and have other family members in the same household, you will no doubt recognise that as soon as anyone invokes the wake words, everyone else has to fall silent in order for the command or question to be put to the smart speaker. This may not seem like much, but if one member of the household is using the smart speaker as a computer, they will need to talk to it constantly. Realistically, this can only be done if there is nobody else present. I know there are some people who will happily yell into their phones while on a train or a bus, but most of us prefer a more private and more discreet method of using our phones in public. 
For this reason, I believe that keyboard input, whether via Bluetooth or on-screen, will be around for some time yet, as I don't think anyone has come up with an alternative way to quickly input text into a phone or PC. Keyboards are also essential in a busy workplace environment where productivity is important. Remember that many businesses use spreadsheets or bespoke databases which are operated using mouse and keyboard interactions. No doubt some systems could be operated by voice commands, but I doubt it would be more efficient in every case. One other point to bear in mind relates to the AI pin. I am sorry to introduce a Star Trek reference, which Stephen will probably not understand, but nope. many people seem to have been quite excited about the possibility of having a gadget which will operate in a similar way to the Star Trek communicator badges. The big problem with that is that Star Trek is a TV or movie environment. When a character uses one of those badges during a show, he or she is not simply speaking to other characters in the show. They are speaking to the watching audience. The voice communicator is a very simple and efficient way of letting the audience know what the character is doing or intends to do. If you translate that into the real world, using one of these devices will be a very efficient way of letting everyone around you know what you are doing or intend to do. This may be fine for the sort of person who loves to loudly chat on their phones on a train, but I suspect many people will be put off by the lack of privacy. Okay, I've gone back and read over that using my keyboard's arrow keys, and I think that makes some sort of sense, even if you disagree with the point of view. All the best, Gordon from Livingston in Scotland. Thank you, Gordon. I don't disagree with any of that. I really don't. Um, but what I will say is, uh, following our Access Tech Live show uh, last night, when uh, we were put uh, to the test with AI voices, was it AI? Was it human? And uh, I failed the test miserably on air mm. last night with Mark. Um, I've got to say, I, I think there's a time that may come that we start to get confused between what's AI voice and what's non-AI voice, as in what's human, and the capability of text, or I should say speech, to text. I think it may improve as well to the point that we you know, actually are better off using our voice than our keyboards. But I would say it's all dependent on the circumstances. It's very different to sending a business email to sending a private text. I think there's quite a difference there. So absolutely, I take your point. I take your point. No, but, but a lot of this when we were talking about the AI PC. So I was making the point that if AI gets so advanced, that why would you need a computer anymore? You can just simply mm. tell it what to do. And absolutely, um, a lot of this is hinged on the uh, advancements of AI. That it's the, the ability that dictation right now. You've always got to go back and check things, as you said, if it's more than a few sentences. We're assuming that's going to get flawless and also assuming that it's going to be able to pick out your voice from other people chatting in the background. It doesn't take away from the privacy things you were mentioning there, which are absolutely true. But a lot of this hinges on AI being absolutely amazing. And, you know, maybe we're just getting swept away with AI at the minute. But Yeah, I think also promising. people are going to just get talking emojis in the next few years anyway and, and oh, language emojis. will go out the window. No one cares about shouting at each uh, other anymore. So, you know. Kids don't care about privacy anymore. Right, let's move on because I, I want to get Matt Hater on. He is from Vispero. He's joining us next to talk all things CES. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Okay, let's get back to CES from early January. Matt Ata from Vespero is with us. Hey, Matt. 
Stephen, it's always great to chat with you. Uh, great to have you here. I've got to say, before we get into the whole conversation around CES, because of course that is the the most exciting bit of this conversation, I promise you, and not the bit I'm about to bring up, although I'm excited about it, I connected my Focus 40 Braille display to my Mac the other day, and I am having the time of my life. Well, it's going to help you actually learn Braille, right? Because you could, yeah. you could be typing in grade one and then but let it actually change to contracted braille or i should say uncontracted and contracted and so it's great because it just does it on the fly for you it does but also you know that way sometimes you're in a meeting or doing a, doing a call like this and we're, we're talking like this and you want to check something but you don't necessarily want to have that screen reader just barking yeah, in your yeah, ear all the time totally. because it's always throwing us off Whereas now I can just put my fingers on the display. I mean, this sounds like I've just discovered, you know, water or something, <laughs> right? But everyone's been telling me this for years. Oh, yeah. Anyway, look, how was CES? CES was great. Um, we got to see a lot of cool stuff. And and then I also got to experience cool stuff in Vegas. Now, you were there for Vespero, correct? But you were also there for your own purposes, yes. I guess, as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say dual because I'm on the um, CTA found- chairman of CTA Foundation, mm. Um, and I know you've had Steve Yule on before, um, who's the executive director of the foundation. And then I'm also um, on the board of industry leaders, which is, you know, 75 of your best friends um, from uh, different uh, tech companies. So I had the responsibility to be there for lots of different activities. Yeah, sounds amazing. So, I mean, let's maybe talk a little bit about Vespero first. What were you showing off? Because I'm guessing kiosks was the big focus this year. No, so we actually didn't do a booth, which oh, was great. Know? It gives you more. No, no. So you can, you know, when you do, then you bring more staff and then you have to spend the time. You got to go see the booth every so often to check in on stuff. And, and I wanted to be free. And so by not doing it this year, um, did allow us to invest more in, in looking at technology. And we had three or four staff out there from software to hardware looking at different technology because you don't know what, we may want to integrate in new technologies or partners that we may need to invest in. And um, so it was more about that for us than it was about um, showing off our technology. The reason I mentioned kiosks is because I did spot a couple of posts, you in particular, sort of standing talking to other companies doing this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and some of that, um, you know, when we, when we see these kiosks, I, I was in an airport last night and, was not that excited to find another inaccessible kiosk. It was a, uh, I would call it a reverse ATM. So for all those who know, an ATM is one that you put a card in, then you tell them how much money you want. And if your bank account has it, it'll give it to you, right? A reverse ATM, a lot of these places are going what they call cashless. So you, like even the venues like c- convention halls are cashless today. Yeah. Uh, sporting facilities are cashless today. Airports, cashless. So you go to the machine, you put in your cash, you hit a button, uh, you choose what kind of credit card you want or, or uh, card, and then it spits out a card with that money on it. Totally inaccessible. So those, the, it, you know, it's amazing what you could still find today and, and say, why can't we use these devices? Yeah, that, this is the, the ongoing problem, isn't it? It's these little... I say little, but you know these these can have big impacts on what might seem to some as as a little thing, but actually it's a big deal because it stops you being able to participate in whatever it like might. Why be, can't you know? we game? 
right? Why yeah. can't we go to Vegas and do the slots and know, I mean, outside of winning, you know, you still don't even know what you did to win, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, which yeah, button yeah. do you press to do three tokens versus one token? Which button do you press to do some fancy game? There's all kinds of buttons on these things. And it's just like, I don't know. It, my opinion is that everything should be accessible. I know that that's, you know, an opinion we all have. Um, and I would think that as people get older who are gamblers and later they lose vision in their life, um, they would still want to have that same experience and they probably don't get it. So that's interesting. You've kind of come back with an, another sense of almost like another category of products that have have kind of largely been inaccessible for a very long time. And we're kind of just getting around to shining that spotlight on it. I mean, it seems obvious when you say it, but... I've got to say, it didn't even occur to me. And I walked past so many of them at CES in 2020, right? I would pass umpteen of those devices and machines. I'm not that into gambling on any level, so it didn't interest me at all. But you're right, if I were, and maybe that's why, because I realized that if I sat down at one of those, I couldn't use it. You wouldn't even know if one is Jeopardy, except if it plays the music, right? Yeah, that's right. That's interesting. Uh, okay, so talk to me about the event. And talk to me about what you saw, because I'm sure you saw lots of interesting yep. things and it spoke to some very interesting people. Well, that before, on, on Monday, it was great. We did the accessibility roundtable. So we had probably, I don't know, 50 plus people in the room um, talking about different things around accessibility and, and what they wanted to see at the show and things of that nature, which was great. Great to see some good old uh, friends in the in the sector as well by being there. Um, we had a great reception after that, uh, where we probably had, I don't know, it could have even been up to 75 people in the reception. I, I didn't do the counting and, um, just lots of great dialogue before the show even started. So this is on Monday and then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is hitting the show floor. Tuesday is when I spent the most time on the show floor because I had more time because I wasn't speaking on those days. Um, I spent the morning at Eureka Park, which you know, is overwhelming. There's 1,400 exhibitors, and I spent some time first at the accessibility section where there was four or five vendors, um, six vendors over there, and I thought it was really cool. Um, one of them was called Vision Aid, and what they've developed is a pair of glasses. Uh, they they kind of if you've tried like um, any of these low vision uh, devices that um, use the Oculus form factor mm-hmm. um, yeah like a vr like headset the, type thing yeah, yeah the vr headsets it's like that i don't I, they i don't think they were using oculus but it was like that one thing that's different about a lot of the vision simulators is that you know when you turn on whatever condition you have um or want to show it's a fixed experience these guys were doing eye tracking inside as well so when you tried to you know, I was doing macular degeneration, and and um, which I don't have, and so I, I put it on and and tried to look around the spot in my eye, and it moved with the it moved with my eye, so because I wanted to look at the guy through the glasses, and I couldn't right. because of the spot in the eye, which is what you want in vision simulation, right? Um, so I thought that was really cool. So hang on, these these aren't for us to wear for like smart purposes. This is for people to simulate 
the yeah. experience. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. it could be for education of um, people who are going through medical school. Mm. It could be for um, maybe somebody who's starting to lose their vision to get the experience and how where it's going to go. That could be used for that. I don't know. You know, some when you're down in the Eureka Park, you can't walk away and say, "Oh, this is going to be a product." Yeah. This is this is prototype. It's it's day one inventions. Yeah. ideas yeah. yeah early seed money to kind of get things started maybe it makes it to market maybe they you know don't don't tell the people that are running these that it's not going to make it okay no. because no. you know they're very passionate about what they're developing but just because they're developing something doesn't mean it's going to continue doesn't mean that somebody believes in it and puts the money into it i just like the innovation that that you get to see that people are trying to do different things you know, last year we spent a lot of time talking about devices that were made to help us not run into stuff, you know, because that's all blind people do, right? So it's, it was all collision <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a lot of that on show here this year as well, right? Yeah, I mean, that, hasn't that. that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. And I didn't spend much time at those things because I was just like, okay, I know what the belt does. I know what the glasses do. I, uh, there was one that was a shoulder harness. Um, and, and they were kind of cool to look at, but... I know what they do and half of them, you know, it's obviously early stage with some of them, but none of us want to look dorky wearing this stuff. Is that the biggest concern for you? Is that what puts you away from I don't know. I mean, I like to look a little bit normal. I mean, as normal as I can. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. But nobody likes being singled out. I think that's the point, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting on my humane device. And, mm. you know, uh, I did order it and, and I'll see when that comes. I don't, I don't think they were at CES um, and see where that plays. But that, you know, that looks like I'm wearing a, um, a communicator from Star Trek or something like that. Right. Yeah. But it's interesting. Right. So that's, that's because it's now in the mainstream. People are talking about it. And that's it's okay, almost then, been normalized. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas if that had come out for us, you might say, eh, I'm not wearing that. I don't want to stand out wearing one of those. Yeah, and, and the folks from Lighthouse Tech had reached out to me for me to stop by. I didn't get a chance to. It was just too chaotic. So I was bummed that I didn't get to see what changes have happened. I know you've talked to them before. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think that's more normalized. A pair of glasses don't feel like they're specialized tech. And I look, I use specialized tech. You you told me about your using your uh, Focus Forty. That's a specialized tech. But at the same time, I'll, I don't know. I just, I struggle with if I, if I'm already carrying a backpack, I don't yeah. need something new around my neck or around my shoulders or um, a wearable that's that big. And, and maybe again, this is startup section. Maybe in two years, they're down to something as small as the humane device and they don't need all of that stuff. And that's where hopefully we get to a point where if you're ever using something like Ira without glasses, which is we what we use today, do you always like walking around with your phone just out in front of you when you're walking through something? I it's don't just, know. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, you don't leave your house that often. So, you know. We- I don't know. That's very true. Yes. I've never been <laughs> that. So it, it certainly saves me the problem, right? Yeah, it uh, yeah. solves it for me. Um, okay. So what else did you see then? Because, okay, you're kind of avoiding the smart navigation stuff. You, you kind of felt you'd, you'd seen and heard that I, before. Yeah. I mean, it, Look, I think it's cool that people are doing it and trying it, but I, yeah. I don't need to. I don't need to. And there hasn't been it. a huge amount of, uh, let's just say, innovation necessarily in that space. 
it's kind of just an evolution of the technology that, that has yep. been on show before, which is, in fairness, not that uncommon in our world, right? In, in the blind, especially blind tech world, you know, technology does have a much longer shelf life. It's the country music of uh, of technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the one the one that I thought was interesting and in, in it was Glide. It is somewhat of a um, mix between a mobility aid and um, object avoidance. Um, this is why it came with wheels. Yeah, right? yeah. It, if it, it, have you seen it yet? I've heard about this. I, I, I kind of got the sense that it, you know, the, the sense I got was it's almost like a, a scooter without the bit to stand on. No. Do you remember the toy as a kid that you could push around and there's little, um, it made like popping noises when it rolled? It basically <laughs> was colorful balls inside like a little, uh, like a, um, a plastic ball. And then as you rolled, the wheels flipped those up in the air and they kind of like pop, 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 like a, like a lawnmower noise okay like i don't kid's... remember that okay no okay but but, but all right, so it. it looks very similar to something like that shape not, not as colorful and fisher price like um thank goodness because <laughs> we need more of that for blind people <laughs> yeah we, need, we um, need more toys yeah. yeah um but then i would refer to it more as lawnmowers have a bar on it when you it when you pull the bar back it kind of freely kind of pulls you forward without like pulling you forward so it's yes that's right it's it's not um it's not actually dragging you forward but it's actually making it freely moving that direction and so as you're walking the cameras see objects and then they just kind of lightly change the wheels to move around those objects and then they do have cameras up by where the handle is so it's a it's a handle that you're gonna hold with one hand and so, um, and then nothing else is happening on the unit as of today, but, you know, they have cameras, um, they plan to do some audio with, uh, you know, what's around you, that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, this is kind of, I'm guessing the, I hate this phrase because I hear it all the time, the white cane replacement, the guide dog replacement, all sure. of this. Is it that or is it, can this be an accompaniment? Because I'm imagining with the, just what you're describing, you'd have to give up something. You'd have to have your hands on this thing, right? Yeah. So what I didn't get to see and they didn't show is like, what are you going to do with steps? Mm. Don't go up them. Don't don't use them. Don't use steps. <laughs> Hopefully, tell it to look for ramps because those are everywhere, yeah. right? So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I don't I don't know where that's going to go, and and we'll see what Amos says about it. You know, out there when he's talking about this in the public, but you know, you do need to ensure that. You know, we need to solve this that it can be anywhere if you're going to use it because it's not like I want to carry a cane and this. It's like one or the other. Don't don't tell me I have to carry both. Is it for people who are like like us, like blind people who would be wanting to get around and use something like this as a guidance aid, or is it also for people who have issues with mobility? Like, could you use it no. as a walking aid? No, you cannot lean right. on it at all. Right. Okay. When you when you tip it up, it turns it off. So like when you're in the when you're in the walk position, you're kind of leaning it towards you, and then when you push up into ver- straight vertical, um, it's going to click into place and turn off. I mean, the thing is, you don't want to wear a backpack with a computer in it. Are you really wanting to push a you know a broken scooter down the street? I don't know. For me, probably not. You know, I I think with anything, this is this is where you and I've talked about this. It's like okay, canes are the norm. Hmm. dogs are the norm 
And then we have a whole bunch of other aids out there. You know, there was a cane that used to, and it probably still exists, that's, um, well, you've seen the WeWalk cane, and, and yeah, there was yeah. one that, that vibrated um, underneath your fingertip to let you know where objects were above and below, you know, were they at your head height or were they down by the foot, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. The question is, there's also a difference between something that may be in the hundreds to thousands of dollars versus something that's in the $30, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to get through who's going to pay for this because it's not going to be the individual in most cases. And interestingly, with this particular product, normally we hear about these things coming along and, you know, as a well-meaning sighted person who's, you know, created something. That's not the case with this product no, because no. Amos, Amos has RP. Yeah. And, you know, so this is a guy who knows his story. He knows the people. He knows that he's got the experience. So this is coming from a different place, which kind of, in a weird way, makes it just a little bit more credible as an idea because it doesn't feel like just a, you know, a random thought from a, a well-meaning person. Yeah, and I've seen other, there was, a, you know, another company was doing the, the avoidance that was, you know, with the backpack style um, and the computer in the bag and, and, and it was being run by a, a blind woman who had, you know, run into a tree and hurt her eye or, or hit hit her and stuffed in the head. So I actually believe that there are blind people who have, you know, thoughts and great ideas that are getting into this space, which I think is great. Which it just may of. be very specific for their needs, though. And the yeah. question is, is it may work really great for them. But, you know, as much as I travel... What are those things that I'm willing to add to my bag? You know, bag of tricks. It and, is interesting, right? Because, I mean, as, as I say, you know, the well-meaning sighted person, you know, versus an experienced blind person who, you know, is coming to whatever, whatever the idea comes from. It's always interesting to me that, you know, it, it, there are products that prove that wh wherever it comes from, it can catch on. I mean, one that always sticks out in my mind is Hable One. How sure. much that has caught on to the community uh, with the community, and you know the, the fact that this device is really making it, you know, actually bringing people to Braille who had never thought about even going near Braille before. So you know, it can be done, and and it's just, I guess, that's the whole point of the Eureka Park experience is that you know these are ideas, they could come to life in in some form, maybe not in the yeah. original form, but it could come to life in another form. It has to start somewhere, and that's kind of what the the CTA Foundation's about, right? It's about kind of allowing these companies to be showcased at a huge event like CES. Yeah, and I mean, but and there's a lot of products on the floor that are not connected to the foundation. So I think just the improvement that we're seeing more accessible tech, you know, the foundation may sponsor about I think it's five companies mm. um, to be on the show floor. But there's still a lot more than that. Um, yeah. Another one that I thought was really cool was One Court. Um, oh, the sports thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I so this is where it's probably the size of a cake. You know, it's it's probably eight and a half by eleven, probably a couple inches thick. Um, it's in like a little uh, briefcase, so you can open it up. At least that's what it felt like to me on the backside, and and the top of it's kind of a rubber skin of a uh, U.S. football field, and because that's what they're demoing at the show. So, and each line on the on every five yards is another you know line to indicate it's the five-yard line, the 10-yard line, the 15-yard line, and so on, with different other graphics on the on the on it. And then as the game's being played, you will feel um, 
where that where the ball's going. And the only thing they're tracking in the current um, product is is the ball. They can't track all the other movement of all the other players on the on the field because you know there's 22 players plus you know linesmen and stuff like that on the field. But um, the concept was really cool. As a guy who listens to games on radio and gets it, I don't know that I would use it, but it doesn't mean that someone who's never seen a field wouldn't want to use something like this to really get an orientation to something. Yeah. And of course, it's going to be a combined experience, right? Someone would be watching a game, they'd be feeling along as they go. So, you know, the excitement could build. But I would want to listen to it on the regular radio or TV along with it so that I can mm. get the commentator's value of it too. Oh, no, absolutely. It's got to be multi-sensory, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I think it's got to be, you know, a stick of radio in it as well. Yeah, why not? There you go. Problem yep. solved. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? Um, so the, the one I the one I wanted to bring up to you, because I I don't know where the application is going to go. This is This is very interesting. This was not in the startup section. This was in the health tech section. The company is called Mudra. M-U-D-R-A. And what I thought was interesting is he was wearing a, an Apple Watch, and but he had his own wristband on it. And with his wristband that he created, or the company created, it was measuring the nerves in your wrist. Now, I'm just going to say that I have no clue what the application is going to be for someone who's blind yet. Okay, so I'm just saying I like the concepts of where these guys are thinking. Yeah, yeah. And as you did gestures with your hand, it moved a mouse across the screen of any Apple device, including a, a Mac. Wow. And so they had a pointer on the, it, it could have been a phone, a, a, an iPad, or a, or a Mac computer. And that pointer would move to wherever, you know, your gesture did. And so if they can do that, the question is, what else could they do? Because they know what the, they know they can measure what is happening in your wrist based on the what nerve you're using they know what you're doing with your hand and so um they were doing things like playing music on an app on a screen um by doing gestures with their hand and i thought that was so cool and it was all, incredible yeah and so i don't know where it's going to go i don't know if it would even apply to us yet today but the idea is that if we can get to a company like that and they can understand what we use and how we use our tech today could they Right. And that's what's always fun about this is could they actually do something? And also you're getting the chance to talk to them now as they're developing rather than, you know, this is a fully fledged product. It's ready for prime time. And now we're talking to them about accessibility, which by that point, it's either too late or it's going to cost them a lot of money to retrofit in. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm thinking when I sat down with him and, and he was explaining it all to me and showing it and demoing it, I said, you know, this is how I use my phone. I want you to watch this so that you could potentially go back and think, how could you let me interact with your devices or with these um, the wristband as well? So it we'll see where it goes, but I thought it was neat. And I think, you know, more people need to, to watch the company, figure out what they're going to do. Um, I'm never going to get the name of this company right. Like Exotica. Um, you probably heard a lot of stuff about them. Yes. And so I saw two devices. One was the Ray-Ban glasses, which I thought was great. What, I, what I'm going to be interested about this um, the, is, you know, it's an improvement over Bose, right? Bose frames, which, as we all heard in one of your podcasts last year, are no longer mm. available after 
the end of the year, right? And I think we yeah. heard that. Um, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you no, need a pair? Wrong. There are cheap. I have a pair. There are cheap alternatives. Well, there are, there are cheap options, right? There's, sure. there's. I mean, we've been buying these. I'm wearing them right now, actually. These Rumen frames, uh-huh. which are as cheap as chips on Amazon, and you can get others equivalent, Oho, and all the rest of it. There's lots of names of these types of things out there. So, you know, if you're just wanting to connect the phone to a Bluetooth audio pair of audio sunglasses, then that's what you will get. You will not get the best audio quality in the world. Sure. It's going to be quite leaky as well, but you're, you know, at least you're going to get, you know, what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, and the downside with the the Bose frames and probably some of the lower end ones is you can't change out the lenses. And so maybe... No, that's right. You get what you get. You get what you get. Yeah. These you can. So if Mm. you needed darker sunglasses or you didn't want sunglasses, you could change those out. Um, But it also had a camera in it so you could do video or take pictures. And so I'm going to be interested to see where... People like Ira, people like Be My Eyes, try to work with them to use it. Because right now it's a meta device. So, you know, if it's bringing the pictures into meta, you know, apps on your phone, what good is that if I needed to do image recognition or share video? I, I don't know. I didn't get to play with that those features, but I'll be interested to see where that goes. I feel that's the thing that's kind of disappointing about the meta frames at the minute. And for people who don't you know, who don't realize this, it is a bit of a walled garden. So you're kind of buying a product which only exists within the meta universe. So the camera's not available to other apps. That's I don't think problem, so today. Right? Yeah. But that's no, but that's why moment. companies like Ira and people like Be My Eyes need to be talking to them and figuring out, can they open it up for us? Um, they also had a pair of what they call Nuance, uh, the, the, the new product, Nuance glasses. And they're designed for people with, with um, mild hearing loss, um, yeah, mild to moderate. Yeah. yeah, and they were really cool. Um, now, I still believe that they have a ways to go. The idea behind this is that, and we've all been in loud places where we can't hear things. And and I I would probably if you've if you've ever done the feature the hearing feature in the iPhone with your AirPods have you have you ever tried this before where you can actually make your phone be a microphone for your AirPods. Oh, um, live listen. I think yeah, they call live it. listen. Um, Thank you. So yeah, it's good. I mean, the only thing I found was that when, I must admit it was a while ago I tried it, but there was a lag, which made conversation difficult. Yeah. So these didn't have a lag. Um, That's good. But they were for me. They were a little tinny. But my colleague, who actually has um, moderate hearing loss, was ready to buy them right there. Right. Just, but he says, can I buy him? Like can notable I? difference. Yeah. It made a difference. Partially because he also didn't want it. He wanted to take his hearing aid out. Hmm. You know, so this gave yeah. him the option to do that by just wearing these glasses. Um, and that's that's the thing, right? There's a lot of people who don't like wearing hearing aids. They feel there's a stigma to it. And I understand that. I mean, look, we've been just talking about that with, with these kind of, you know, glasses that have got cameras and things sticking out yeah. of them all over the place. Yeah. You know, we don't want to look... We don't want to look silly. Yep. You know, that's the bottom line. We yep. want to look like everybody else. So, you know, this is the other benefit of a company like SLR Luxottica. They're making brand names, uh, brand products, and they're fashionable products. I mean, Ray-Ban well, they're is in the very business. popular. They're in the business, yeah. right? They understand frames. It's they more under- than just the tech. Yeah, yeah. These guys understand that stuff. So I love the fact that they're in, in this space right now because I, I believe they add a lot of value. Okay, so overall... Good time at CES. You enjoyed it this year. Oh yeah, yeah. And in, in, it's interesting. There's way more people in the accessibility field at CES this year than I've ever seen mm. before. 
Melissa from McDonald's, Fred from Verizon, uh, Joe Devin from uh, the Global Accessibility Awareness Day, uh, Mike Passiello. I mean, it was amazing. And, and, and that's just four people. But like, if you look around and look at the posts on different social media platforms, you're going to see a lot of focus in it. At the board of CTA, we had about 75 people in the room and at least 10 of them brought up diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility focuses at CES and the value that they had. I was on the startup stage on Wednesday, so not an accessibility track, just a startup stage talking about inclusive design, Yeah, which is great. Matt, thank you for coming on, staying with us, and uh, thanks for coming on to Double Tap. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. Enjoyed it. And check out YouTube on Saturday. Even more to come from Matt as we talk all about the sphere in Las Vegas. He shares his experience, Sean, of it, visiting it and giving us the low vision perspective. So kind of cool. Cool. Um, cool. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. We're back Monday. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.